Welcome to the E9 Podcast. This is the British Open preview today. Hayden, Mike, and I will take a look at all things open at Royal Liverpool, including Mike's recent trip overseas, some betting odds and big storylines, and then a little special look at uh, my fantasy golf team as we head into this last major of the year, all coming up on the E9 Podcast, a production of Free Drop Media. All right, guys. So the podcast looked one way when we mapped it out last week. And then this past few days, it probably changed the narrative. It may reinforce the narrative for some people. But what we saw yesterday, um, this recording here on Monday, what we saw yesterday in Scotland at the Scottish Open, which has become a major, major event, um, international event, uh, was won by Rory McIlroy. A crazy stat, his first win in Europe in seven years, which I didn't know until I heard it on the television. Um, it was kind of hard to watch the events. If you guys probably were trying to follow along in the morning, I got up at seven trying to watch it and there was no broadcast. It was delayed. You had to watch it on the app. So anyway, but when all said and done, Rory finally was the Rory we imagined him to be. Clutch shots down the stretch, birdies on 17 and 18. So I guess to kick it off this way, did did what we saw in Scotland at a, at a renaissance club that looks like a Lynx course, but kind of doesn't play like a Lynx course, kind of like you might see a Whistling Straits, has that changed what you think might happen this week at Hoylake, Royal Liverpool? I don't know if it changes what I think is going to happen. I think it confirms a few things that uh, maybe I'm more confident in now. I think the storyline is, is Rory, right? Like, can he keep it going? Can he survive the next four days and then pick right up where he left off? Uh, I think the weather was pretty symbolic of what they're going to encounter. I think the course is, you know, I don't know. You guys probably know better than I do, but man, when I go over there, it all starts to blend together at one point. So I know there's nuances, <laughs> especially with Liverpool, but like, yeah, I feel like it's a good warm up test. And Rory obviously passed with flying colors. And he's probably the type of guy that can do it two weeks in a row. You know, some guys may burn their, their motors you know, out after one really tough week, but man, a guy like him gets going. It seems like he can keep it going. Maybe, but that's where I also wonder, like, is he built that same way? Like, I almost wonder, did he peak too early? Like, was this the, uh, you know, too soon? Um, you know, there's this a different, I feel like some, for some reason, there's a difference in like when Tiger was playing at the peak of his game, you're like, and he's winning, you're, you're like, he's just going to keep winning. Whereas other players now it's like, oh, they won. Did they peak too soon? And so that's where I don't I'm still not 100% convinced. Like, I worry that maybe Rory, you know, peaked too early and this is, you know, you know, he's going to finish strong. Like, he'll do well at the Open, but I don't know if this means that he's going to win the Open. I don't know if it's going to translate as well, but it was really important to see him actually finish a golf tournament the way he did, you know, especially a year ago at St. Andrews, you know, two-putting every single hole to lose to Cam Smith and to see him hold a big putt on 14, um, you know, for birdie and, you know, birdie 17, 18, especially 18 into the wind was pretty impressive. And, and it, he looked like he, other than McIntyre on Sunday, kind of outclassed everybody. The next closest guy was, was, you know, what, 10 under par. So it did seem like kind of a, a Rory at his peak where, nobody could really touch him other than one hot nine from the Scotsman, uh, you know, Robert McIntyre. So he certainly looked comfortable on a day where the conditions were really tough. You know, we talked before we started the pod about weather and it looks like Liverpool is going to have very similar weather. We saw at Renaissance club. Um, they were dressed in their, their stocking caps and it was blowing 25 miles an hour. Um, I still think Liverpool is a very different golf course. And Mike, you played at Liverpool recently. You can talk about that. You know, Renaissance Club looks like a Lynx course, but a lot of those shots have to be through the air. And, and Rory's are really good at moving the golf ball through the air. Um, you know, the creativity of Royal Liverpool, you know, if you think about Tiger in 2006, when he won, he said it's his best ball striking uh, you know, tournament of his career, played the ball along, along the ground a bunch, didn't hit any drivers. Um, and, you know, Rory kind of dominated, you know, from the tee, especially Friday through Saturday at, at Renaissance Club. So I think it's going to be a different golf course, even though it looks the same. You have the sea in the background. You have the big kind of open undulating greens. But, you know, this is a Renaissance Club was built, what, 12 years ago. Liverpool's built, you know, 200 years ago. So it's a little different animal. Everyone's fired up about Rory. And admittedly, I didn't watch a ton of the Scottish Open, but he had to go birdie birdie to win that tournament he didn't run away with it it's not like we're talking about Rory where he's 
you know, firing on all cylinders and just left the competition in the dust. Like the guy was pretty close to being a runner up to what Rob McIntyre. Yeah. That's a really fair point, you know, and Roy did miss an easy birdie putt on 16, you know, it did look like he may not win this one. Looked like McIntyre had done just enough. Um, but also was really apparent to me, if you look at that leaderboard, guys just started falling off. The conditions got tough and guys started kind of falling off. Scheffler, as usual, couldn't make a putt. Hatton had the lead for a while. He fell apart. Fleetwood and Tom Kim, you know, these are big names on a big leaderboard. These are, you know, your elites. This is your top 15 guys in the world. And none of them could hold up to the conditions um, other than, as you said, McIntyre uh, and Rory. So I do think it's got to do nothing but bode well going into the open, but it certainly puts the spotlight squarely on Rory and we're not certain if that's a place he likes. We were kind of hoping he might be flying under the radar coming into this, but he's definitely the story this week. Let me ask you this though, guys, and this was part of our initial rundown. The Open is, you know, obviously our most, most global tournament, but everything seems to be stratified these days. The majors, Ryder Cup, President's Cup, elevated events, Rolex series for the, you know, the DP World Tour. For you guys, where does the Open sit kind of on your hierarchy in your mind of tournaments you enjoy, you like watching, you like following? The time difference kills me. Like it makes it <laughs> so hard to like get fired up about it because you're, you know, there's six hours ahead of us. Like I love the elements. I love the courses. I love the history. But like the time change definitely knocks it down a few, a few pegs for me. So you're not the type that gets up at four in the morning and starts watching. I, I set my alarm. I set it at three 30 <laughs> and I'm up at four o'clock uh, watching the morning rounds and, and trying to stay with it all day. But it sounds like you with the little children, uh, it's a little harder to do that. I mean, even if I was single without kids, it would be hard for me to be waking up. <laughs> at well, and it's funny because your point of pain is actually probably the reason I love this tournament the most is like for me, Saturdays and Sunday afternoons are such a busy time that when I think, oh, if I get to like get up and watch golf uninterrupted, no one's coming in. You know, I just I was telling I just got married. So kind of go through this spiel of, hey, uh, honey, I'm going to be getting up at 4 a.m. to go downstairs and watch golf. She's just like, as long as it's not in this bedroom, like that's fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I really do enjoy brewing a cup of coffee, sitting there watching and for me, the Open is right up there with the Masters. Like the Masters, I think a lot of what the Masters has, they got from the Open. A lot of that, just like the connection to the history, almost the the spiritual connection to golf that there is. And uh, all of those, you know, the way that things are supposed to be proper, right? The champion golfer of the year or that, you know, the Masters, we say the patrons, like all this formal uh, verbiage is, you know, these connections. So for me, the open is definitely like a, a firm number two in as far as tournaments that I love to watch. So I'm, I'm pretty excited And the open just has such a good aesthetic that you, you look there, you see, you're like, I know what I'm watching here. I turn on the TV with it. Sometimes I can't tell the difference between a PGA and a U.S. open, but if I turn on the TV, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is the open championship. Here we go. It does. It feels like golf on the moon. Sometimes it takes a little bit of adjusting to, and, I think no other tournament has been helped more by high definition and 4K television um, than the Open. Because if you guys remember, I don't know if you're not as old as me, but back in the day where tube TVs and, you know, uh, it was hard to, to follow the golf ball along the ground. You know, the camera work was, was good, but it was still not the same as watching a ball in the air and watching it land. Um, but HD has really changed the way we consume the open. And I think, uh, you know, I was on the British open website earlier today. They've done a fantastic job of making their digital platform really accessible to viewers. The holes are laid out beautifully. You have 3d renderings. Um, everything is kind of explained to you how the, the players are going to see this golf course. So it makes sense to us now. So I've really enjoyed just kind of researching it. I don't know much about Liverpool, you know, Mike, you can speak more to that, but um, Mike, do you, do you, do you put this golf course on par with the U.S. Open, or do you still feel like, you know, we saw at LACC is more of a preeminent tournament than, than the Open? Well, no, I mean, if LACC is the the measuring stick. Okay, the bad open, measuring stick. How about this, right? like, the U.S. I was Open? Say. It, it, it's not even, My bad. I, I mean, I'm going to backtrack that statement. You were like, no disrespect to them? LACC. I was like, well, I mean, maybe a little disrespect. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Uh, while the time change is brutal and I made a big deal out of it, I'm with Hayden that it's right behind the Masters. I mean, the Masters is leaps and bounds ahead of all of them, but 
like I agree that the US Open, PGA, like those things start to kind of blend together. And I know they try to make them unique and different. Um, but I mean, last couple of years, I haven't really felt it. Um, so, you know, you know, you're always getting something special with the Open. Um, doesn't really matter what the final score is, you know, you're going to see a show. And I appreciate that in the tournament. So, yeah, like from an entertainment value, it's, it's, it's easily number two. Yeah, I, I really love it. And I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I think it's a little bit sad. Obviously, we talked about this being an event that Tiger might could compete in if he was healthy. Um, we know he's had another surgery, but uh, I do think it's going to be a really, really great tournament. Let's let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about um, the golf course. Uh, you know, Liverpool has only hosted two kind of modern um, British Opens. If you think about 2004, we already talked about being, or 2006, excuse me, talking about the really burned out, hot, um, dried up golf course versus kind of the course that Rory won on in 2014. But even that, those courses, those guys played are different uh, from a routing standpoint, even a couple of new holes. Um, so Mike, you were there last September. You know, what, are you, what were your first impressions of Liverpool? So you got to preface this with, I played almost the best round of my life at Liverpool. So it could have been the worst course I've ever set foot on. I'll always defend it because I was playing it really well until the last two holes. Uh, but we won't talk about what happened there. Um, <laughs> oh, can we? Can we just talk a little bit about it? Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. I'll get, we'll, fine. Just We're going to make sure you you do cap it off with the last two holes. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. It, it, you, know, you can't career when you go triple double on the last two holes but uh, mm. yeah uh you know it, here's the thing we played it in weather that was very calm right it was probably 80 degrees um we teed off at like 11 in the morning uh it was fantastic and when i looked at the course when i started playing i go you know it's pretty straightforward um you can see most of the greens that you're hitting into right um compared to like we played you know st george's um a lot of the other Rota courses. And this one to me felt, aside from Sunningdale, uh, the new course, this one felt the closest to, I could see this being in the US. Um, they've done a lot of work on what is 17, right? It's this par three that's a beast. But again, like we heard so much about that par three at LACC, you know, and then in the second breath, they were saying, well, the hole's really hard and we need the weather to make it harder. I feel like that's what's going to happen at Liverpool. The 17th hole, first time it's being introduced in, uh, you know, open play. It's penalizing if you're long, it's penalizing if you're short, but if there's no weather, I mean, it's a very makeable par three. And, um, you know, that concerns me right after the disaster at LACC is this is on the 17th hole. It follows with a par five, 18 that runs like 608 yards. Right. So they're banking on one of these two holes really either being a huge advantage to a player trying to catch up or a massive punishment to a player trying to protect the lead. And I fear that the weather is going to play into it only because having played there again, they're very straightforward holes to an extent. Um, not a lot of blind shots. And so you mentioned earlier, Tiger had like the best ball striking day of his career and he didn't use a lot of driver. You don't have to. Like if you know your distances and you're confident in your swing, you can hit these greens in reg without much challenge. Um, and they're big greens, aren't they? I mean, other than this new 17th hole, it sounds like that's a smallish green, but most of these greens are pretty large. They're big, like they're rough. And I'm sure they, they it's going to change significantly when you add in the bleachers, walking paths, all the man-made objects. But like, I don't think we lost maybe two balls between the group. It, it's, it's a very, again, I kind of go back to the straightforward. And I think the scores in the history reflect that, right? Like uh, yeah. but Rory won it 17 under. Um, yeah. I think Tiger won it 18 under. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't remember the scores exactly, but they, it was, it was a very scorable. Uh, yeah, like they went, yeah, they, they, both cases. they went after it and they've made some changes to try to you know, harden it up a little bit. But I think, and we talked about this, Josh, I think in our round last week, like I think it's going to be right there with a very high scoring uh, or low scoring, I guess, uh, open. Uh, I just, so I think these e guys are even the wind attack. blows. Because they're calling for 20, 25 mile an hour winds here. I mean, do you, is that going to change the scoring conditions? Or do you think it's still going to be pretty easy to put the ball in positions to score? Um, you know, there's three par fives out there. A couple of them will be playing either crosswind or downwind. Um, and it sounds like, or it seems like, you know, there's a lot of openings in front of these greens. There's only bunkers, I think, in front of four of these greens. So you can run it up on a lot of these holes. 
Um, it might change the way they play their shots, but it sounds like they're going to give themselves chances for birdies. Um, yeah, and it looked the like the could... weather, like Thursday, Friday, looked pretty consistent, morning through afternoon. Saturday, the wind picks up, and I think Saturday, they say, is probably the chance for the worst weather with rain consistent throughout the day, sprinkles. And then Sunday, I, don't, I mean, you guys tell me. To me, it feels like if it's one day out of the three that there's weather, yeah, that's going to stymie the scoring. But if they're playing in that, in those conditions, four straight days, like they're going to adapt, right? They're going to overcome. Yeah. They're going to figure it out. And the, the Scottish Open, you saw that shot Rory hit. Like he just puts in the back of his stance, chokes down, swings low, and that thing just fires out. So, th- I mean, they can figure it out. I look at the holes and I, you know, I think about you bring up the 15th at LACC and all the hype that we went through. And then, of course, Wyndham Clark was the only one who bogeyed it in the final day. You know, <laughs> Is there, is there too much hype around this new 17th hole? Is the fact that they can reach 18 and two, is that really a good thing? I do think the Royal Nation has spent some time thinking about those things and are probably going to set, they have already set the course up in a way that's going to make it more challenging than what we saw. They've narrowed the fairways considerably. Um, they've grown up the gorse and the, and the, the fescue quite a bit. Um, it's still going to be firm, even though it's going to be wet. So I do think there's going to be a chance for some big numbers, especially in some of those pot bunkers. Do you have any pot bunker experience out there, Mike? Did you find any of those, <laughs> those little... I have a great video. I'll send you guys me in a pot bunker. And the answer is, yeah. yeah, these guys start trying to rifle them low and they get a bad skip and a hop and they just end up in one. But um, again, as like I walked off the course and granted I played well, but I thought to myself, I'm a little surprised they're going to host an open here because it just, I don't even, I don't know how much they can trick it out even when they really, you know, move the tees back and move things around. So you think we're going to see another 10 under. So if you, when we talk about our, our gambling um, oh. sheet later, you're, you're going to put your, uh, your winning score. Over. Yeah, if I could find the prop that had, you know, winning score over, you know, 10 under. Uh, yeah. I would, I would unload on that. I just haven't been able to on that one. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I just, you know, it's an English open, you know, a lot of, a lot of our opens are in Scotland. So this is one of the few courses that is in England hosting the open. Um, it, it sits on a pretty beautiful piece of land out in Hoylake, kind of um, looking oh, yeah. into the North Sea. It looks just gorgeous. The aesthetic looks really, really cool. I think it's going to look good on television. Um, and I do think it's going to identify, even if it's not the most challenging venue that they're going to play all year, I think it's going to identify the guy who's playing best. So it does sound like you have to play a bunch of different shots out there. Would you agree with that? Just kind of, or at least you have options to play a bunch of different shots, which is going to be kind of fun to watch. Yes. Yes. I mean, you'll use every club in your bag um, if you're playing it right. And like side note, you know, it was really like, you know, you see these courses here, these like factories, right? Like Pinehurst, Bandon, um, you know, all the big ones. They have these massive clubhouses and all of these ancillary, you know, buildings. I mean, Liverpool, you drive up to these things. And this is really the case with a lot of these open courses. Like it is the most inauspicious looking <laughs> clubhouse, right? It's cool. Don't get me wrong. It looks really cool. But the parking lot's like the size of a Walgreens and the streets are barely enough for a bus to get through. And, you know, you get in there and it's rich mahogany. It's awesome. But man, it's just like such a departure from what we're used to over here. Right. It's just a true trip through history with everything they've got lining the walls. (laughs) Like you feel very special when you go and play at these places and you know yeah. there's signs everywhere where you know no no spikes allowed up here and don't even think about going in there um but it was very yeah. cool to like walk through those gates and kind of be like wow like this is so intimate but yet so powerful in stature yeah and i think that's that's a funny thing to think about compared to we think back to lacc of you know this is the u.s open which is supposed to be this huge event but it's on a course that no one will ever play and you will never see and this clubhouse is you know this monstrosity and, and it's beautiful it's a wonderful course but it's just such a contrast I think is what I do love about the open is that it is just it feels like this is the heart of golf the soul of golf is this you know very special very humble uh, beginnings but also like something that is you know almost spiritual yeah it, yeah like you've got, we were sitting there waiting to tee off and like, you know, people are jogging by with their dogs and cutting across the fairway. And I'm looking at you know, my buddy, I'm like, what, what's going on here? I'm like, well, these are, you know, on Sundays, they open these things up for people to just walk around casually with your, with your dog. And you got to look out for them. You know, they're not looking out for you. And the, the boundaries are defined by, you know, stone walls. It's, there's no fences. It's, it's really like, 
hey, like you said, like this is how golf was meant to be experienced, very casual. Yeah, it's really it's a, such a departure from what we see over here, this resort golf, and it, it's really fun to watch. Yeah, the austerity of LACC is it's going to be starkly contrasted with just the the openness of of you know Liverpool and the town of Hoylake and. Um, you know, I was reading Jeff Shackelford's new book, uh, kind of golf architecture um, for beginners, essentially. Um, and, you know, he, he said that these early, you know, Scottish and English courses were parks. They were just places where people came to play. And they're still quite often, even though they have their golfing societies and memberships, they're still parks and they're treated such. And, um, you know, to see someone walking down the street with their dog while you're playing one of the most famous courses in the world is not unusual. Whereas for us, you know, it feels like you have to be invited into to Oz by the wizard himself to get a chance to, to see some of these places. So, um, which is, I think, one of the reasons I love the Open. I, I love these golf courses because it does feel like it harkens back to the, the roots of the game. And I think if you win these tournaments on these courses, you do, whether you like it or not, you become the people's champion. That's what I love about the Open. I just feel like you've had so many great people's champions. Cam Smith was a people's champion. I, I don't want to say as much about Colin, but you think about the Shane Lowry win, you think about Darren Clark winning, um, you know, Phil Mickelson winning his, it just felt like these are the people gravitate towards these, these champions in a way that, you know, no one ever gravitated towards Wyndham Clark for dominating <laughs> LACC, you know, um, which I think makes the open pretty special. All right. Off my soapbox here, as you, as Mike, as you kind of think about um, the round you played, uh, they're going to start their round on the 17th hole. So the two holes that you, you finished, it sounds like double, triple, are actually going to be the first and second holes that they're going to start their rounds on. And they're going to go through and they're going to play 16, the long par five there as they're finishing. Yeah, like they move the holes. And I don't think that really has much bearing on how these guys play it in terms of, you know, does it impact? I think they move them more for to create some try to manufacture some drama towards the end right because like, the last two finishing holes the way the members would play it are relatively uneventful it's like a par five to finish i have a, i have my scorecard right here it's like a that's two par fours to finish right a 402 right. and a 398 so that's 17 so and the first two holes now yeah and then 16 though which is kind of a it sounds like a reachable downwind par five is going to be the last hole and if you have you know guys kind of packed in the leaderboard you know, the chance to make Eagles can be pretty enticing. Yes. And, and that is one of the greens that is heavily protected by bunkers, like pop bunkers. I think there's four of them, maybe four along the front, maybe five to the side. Um, I love that that's the 18th hole, right? It's what I hope happens for, for just entertainment value is that you do have guys that are obviously going to go for it and Right. And so that'll be a downwind hole. These guys can go get it. And I hope it makes for some good drama, especially if a guy, like, like if the leaderboard's tight and a guy loses a stroke on what is now 17, that par three, does he then rear back and try to go do something special yeah. on 18? Um, yeah. Or does a guy that's protecting the lead dial it back and just go for Murray? And the hole is definitely, there will be eagles on that hole. Um, and it's going to be a downwind play, I think, all week. Cause it's running right away from the, the sea. Is that correct? It's and running it right back, back into the clubhouse. Yeah. But I think that's also part of the reason they, they wanted, you know, the dramatic finish. They also, I think it sets up better just for moving traffic in and out and people in and out of the golf course, but it, it does sound like they want to have a little bit of an eventful finish. Um, and they've, it's going to play six, six Oh eight. They've moved the tee from where it was in 2014 back 50 yards Gotcha. They're kind of directionally angled it where on the second shot, it does bring in some of the OB. Gotcha. Um, like a pretty unique, don't hold me to this, but my caddy over there said that this was one of the only, if not the only courses in the open circuit that had a um, OB within the confines of the course. The driving range is right in the middle of the course. Yes. Yes. Um, now I, I know there's going to be other man-made objects there. So that kind of takes it away. But when you're just playing it on a normal day, like you have the only OB in the British open circuit sitting there in the massive driving range in the middle of the course. That's wild. And in course OB, you know, pretty controversial thing, but it's one thing if it's, you're kind of taking in course OB to separate holes, which is done in some tournaments. So you can't play down the seventh hole from the sixth tee box or whatever, but it's a little different if you're playing the driving range is out of bounds. I think it's probably the smart play. Man, yeah. someone's got to tell, someone's got to tell Bryson that he, 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 we got to make sure he's aware. 
Is he going to play this week? Is he going to be there? Um, which, uh, which might, I don't know, which might bring us to the next piece here. And I know there's a lot of storylines going into this tournament. And I'm a little bit sad already thinking about Sunday because the major season is going to be over, even though there's a lot of golf left to be played. But I just feel like once we get past the Open, the storylines are going to shift to this PGA versus PIF, this merger, this, you know, conglomerate that they're trying to form. I feel like we're going to have a lot of that talk. I think it's going to overshadow, if not the Ryder Cup, the playoffs. And I just think it's going to get, um, it's going to take over the golf world. So it's nice to have just this week where we can focus on the the open storylines. So what are we looking at? I mean, Hayden, you're a huge golf nut. You, uh, you follow these majors very closely. We've had three very unique storylines this mm-hmm. year with our major champions, um, you know, and all fun. Even if you didn't like LACC, certainly that back nine was fairly dramatic. If we're looking at the open, what, what are we looking at finishing the season on here, our major season, as far as our storylines? Well, I've, I've got a lot of storylines to look at here, guys. And, and I hope, you know, we can weigh in. We don't have to go too deep on them, but I'm curious. And certainly it seems like when I made this list, I had to change after Rory won the Scottish Open. It feels like he's got to be the start of this list as far as storylines go. But I guess my question to you guys is the, the main storyline is, will Rory win? Like, do you, what do you think? Is he going to win or is he not? What, what's what's your gut reaction michael you gotta you gotta well, smirk and you and i were texting about this earlier today and you feel like that's a really boring take so can we embrace the boring are you gonna you're gonna be you know indigent here and you're gonna you're gonna push back i'm not gonna push back like it is a boring take and it's not hayden's it's no one's fault right it's just no yeah because you know a question i thought of earlier when we were talking about the Scottish was like, what is this? What's the secondary storyline heading into this? Like, I don't think there is. Yeah. One. Yeah. Um, you know, is it no one's talking about um and this proved my point. What's the dude that won the uh US Open? Like Wyndham Clark. Wyndham, yeah, like no one's like, can Wyndham go back to back? Like, no, <laughs> I mean hard no. Um, hard no. <laughs> hard no. Like, yeah, listen, spoil, you know, I'll, I'll spoil my my winner of the tournament. Like it, it, I can't. After my Spieth debacle, like I have to take a more debacle. conservative that, approach. That was a debacle. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Spieth, by the way, missed the cut at the Scottish Open. So there's that. Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got Rory to win this thing. I, I think that's if you're forced to pick a winner, which I don't love to do yeah. from a gambling perspective, but you got to go with Rory. Like it, it, there's no other mm-hmm. player that really makes sense at this point. So, right. So, so, yeah. So then my question is, if you're if you think Rory will win, the question is, are we are you rooting for Rory? Do you want him to win? Do you think that's a, a fun outcome? Or are you kind of wanting to see something else happen? I want Rory to I be want in to contention. See win. What, so was that Mike? I want him to be in contention. Like I, I think there would be nothing better than to sit down Sunday with Rory at the top of the leaderboard, maybe chasing the lead. If he's in the lead heading into Sunday, I think he I think he walks away with it. If he's chasing, I could see him making some Rory mistakes like he has been. And we're talking about someone else, you know, lifting the Claret jug. Well, I'm going to argue against myself a little bit then too, Mike, because you make a good point. You know, Rory did have the lead going into Sunday's round at the Scottish Open, promptly barfed up that lead and shot, you know, I think he was two over par at the turn before some pretty fantastic golf coming in. But he still had to birdie the last two holes to win the tournament. And if he doesn't do that, as you said, like we're looking at Robert McIntyre. It's another, can Rory close the tournament out? And so I do feel like, you know, the, the, undoing of Rory is pretty easy here if a couple of things go differently in Scotland and all of a sudden it feels like oh he's he's destined to win here I just don't think that's going to be the case I think it's going to be really hard for him I think the playing conditions are going to be very different if not the weather the turf conditions you know it Renaissance Club is a very western like course bent fairways um, bent greens you know, you're, you're going to the traditional fescue now firm firm fairways the fescue weird fescue greens I think it's gonna be tough for Rory to win that said I just feel like he's got to be the odds on favorite uh, because no one else is looking great. You know, I was reading an article the other day. That's like the big showdown between Rory and Ricky, you know, because who else is there? Rom hasn't played well. Scheffler can't get the ball in the hole. And by the way, Scheffler could have won this week easily again, if he could just somehow kick the ball into the hole, he can't quite do it. Like who is there to like, if Robert McIntyre is your, your biggest threat coming in, man, I'm not sure there's much to worry about, but I say this, 
I do think some of these guys that have been off the radar um, playing, you know, over uh, at Valderrama, these, these live guys, I think they're going to sneak up this one. Unlike, you know, the last few tournaments where we kind of were looking out for them, you know, Cam Smith has been already chatting a little bit on social media about bringing home another Claret jug. He doesn't want to give it up. He's ready to have another year with it. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a Cam Smith showing, you know, or we have another Brooks Kepa showing, Hayden, you called it last time out that and both of you guys did. Kepa wasn't going to win the U S open. He was still kind of enjoying the spoils of victory um, from Oak Hill, but it definitely feels like he's under the radar. Now we're back to kind of square one and a guy like Brooks or DJ, um, or even mm-hmm. a guy who's playing really well. Um, you know, if you think about the Taylor Gooch playing so good right now, can these guys, come in and, and win one of these tournaments and that's that i think would be a fun storyline i don't mean to step on your your corner here hey but it does oh, you're good challenged it might be from someplace we don't expect well i hey, love that you're hey, coming in with this hot take on the live yeah hey, let me ask you something though, real quick like uh-huh. for rory if not now when right he's, <laughs> he's hot he's coming into a course he knows he's won here before on the biggest stage like if he can't Give us a run for his money, or run in you know, the course, a run for its money this week. Like, what's where do we find it? Like, it's right. not court rush. He didn't even make the cut. Like, this right. feels like it's now or never for Rory. And I know that's a it does, case, but like, if not now, when? Yeah, no, you're right. And I think that that's my question. Then though, is does does he know that too? Right, and is then he feeling that pressure of well, this is my shot. I've got to do this. And that's where then I start to get a little nervous because when the pressure is on, I don't know if he has necessarily been the one who has thrived on that pressure. Um, You know, I think like I'm not saying that he wilts under pressure, but I think he just doesn't necessarily rise to then conquer like he's not doesn't have that tiger type like give me all the pressure and I will destroy you. Like Rory, again, at LACC was like, hey, he handled the pressure. He just didn't quite have enough. Right. Like it wasn't like he fell apart. He just didn't quite have it. And so that makes me a little nervous of, you know, as an outright win, you know, I don't know if I love Rory. I would think he's a guaranteed top 10, top 15. You know, it seems like that is a, an automatic thing. Um, but I, th- I think you're right. It's like if, if he doesn't win it now, like I don't know what major he's going to be winning because, I mean, he's only getting older. Golfers are only getting better. Um, I don't know. I still can't believe that Josh is now calling for a, a live champion here. Um, this is this is really what I what I wanted to get to because people have been just running their mouths. I mean, Liv's had such a good year. I went back and looked at it, and I don't even I don't know if you can count Brooks as a live guy because I don't even think he likes live. He just likes being able to not play as much. But like, people and he likes saying, money. Oh, he likes. I yeah, just want you to know money. one thing. He loves money. So he loves money and he loves his yeah. Belmont grad wife. Um, but uh, fun fact. Um, but other than that, like, Liv, I don't, when I was looking back at this year, Liv hasn't really competed. You know, okay, Bryson's on a leaderboard, but he never was in contention. You know, these guys weren't really in contention. Like, are you saying that you think that there's some Liv guys that can be in contention this week, Josh? I think so. And so this is, you're right. I've completely done a 180 because before the masters we talked about, I felt like there's no chance these live guys are not going to be prepared. They're not going to be able to, you know, to competitively work themselves into form for major championship golf. Brooks blew that out of the water. We saw competitive live golfers at, at all the majors. Granted, they weren't, you know, other than, than Brooks, they weren't at the very tip top of the leaderboard, but they competed. I'm not saying Sergio's going to go out and have a great week and win the Open, but... Uh, 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 Josh, Sergio, not in the field. N- that's right. Not even in the field. You're right. Fair. So, <laughs> so you are that's saying part of the problem. I think just <laughs> So I think just like for a process of elimination, maybe the Lyft guys are, are a little going to be overwhelmed. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see a Taylor Gooch or a DJ or a Cam Smith or even a Bryson uh, uh, at... at around the the top of the leaderboard because i don't know who else there's gonna be you know and come on coward make it make a call say say something crazy i'm i I like i like the the quietness of live coming into this and i don't think anybody's playing great golf i you know it was 
the Ricky story was great, but hey, that's Detroit, man. You're not, you're not in the the huge spotlight that you can be in now. Like, there's some fun side stories, but Scheffler can't make a putt. I'm not sure John Rahm plays golf anymore. Have we seen him in forever? You know, Colin Morikawa was everybody's favorite guy, and you know he's missing cuts. Now, I will say this: Morikawa, his last five rounds have been. I looked this up earlier, believe it or not. 63, 67, 68, 66, 64, his last five competitive rounds, including the tie for second um, and losing the playoff to Ricky. So Colin's not completely, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but who is there? JT's not playing well. Like I said, Scotty can't get it in the hole. Um, you have a bunch of European guys playing pretty good golf right now. Atiro Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, you know, Tom Kim had a really good week, but again, these guys, haven't proven they can win big tournaments. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood's never even won on the PGA Tour. So what is the storyline if not Rory? You know what I'm saying? Like, where is it? Where does, where does it exist? I think we're going to see someone come out of nowhere if it's not Rory. Well, I mean, are we just riding off Scheffler, though? I mean, this is the guy who's yes. hitting the golf ball I'm writing him off. than anybody. But you're saying I, he I, has no chance to win? I'm saying he has... He has like a 1% chance to win. I am over watching him putt. You know, we, I'm telling you, I've watched all season. We were at the masters. We watched him on the putting green, arguing with his coach, fighting with his caddy. It was clear. There was something broken before the very first ball in the air at Augusta. And that has not changed. He just can't get in the hole. And if the wind's blowing, he's, I'm telling you, it's not going to be it for him. I don't care how great he's striking the ball. Golf is about getting it in the hole. And if you can't do that, it doesn't matter how good you're hitting it. Tell me I'm need, wrong, Mike Nealon. I need I need the record to show that you are picking Taylor Gooch over Scotty Scheffler. I Book need, it. Done. <laughs> I need this record to show that. The, the that E9 podcast think... may die before it flies on this one, but I'm going to go Taylor Gooch over Scotty Scheffler. This is outright. Scotty is, is camp pup, but he is still going to be top 10. Like, he's not going to just disappear fair you're right i'm i'm far overstating his putting issues but man it is hard to watch every time he had a chance to make a big putt yesterday he just couldn't get in the hole it was really really hard to look at he is hitting it so great though all right i'm sorry i need to take a breath I'm, i think i've got myself in trouble here <laughs> why don't you cool yourself off <laughs> cool take a hey, champ take take a break stop talking for a while. <laughs> um i mean are there so my question though for you guys is so does scheffler have a chance to win this tournament and you, josh you're saying no i'm saying no uh has a chance yes will he no that's fair and is it is it just the putting? Is that what it comes down to? I mean, not just putting. So, putting is huge, but just the putting. It does. I also think this. I think he is a guy who likes to play the ball in the air. I think he sees a lot of shots visually, much like Bubba Watson, um, through the air and not so much on the ground. And I think a British Open is just, in a lot of ways, a glorified putting contest because you have to see contours move along the ground. That said, he's hit a lot of really good chip and pitch shots um, this year. I mean, he's been really good with his short game, so I don't mean to discredit that. But I do think his mind sees the golf course a little bit differently um, than guys who traditionally win a British Open. So until he's, in, in all seriousness, until he's kind of proven he can contend there, which he hasn't done, I'm not feeling like he's a great candidate to win, but I didn't feel like Colin Morikawa was either. You know, at a certain point, ball striking, if you can, if you can will in the hole, ball striking does win out, and Morikawa um, did it, so I can't. It's not reasonable for me to say Scheffler can't win. I just find it to be highly unlikely that he's going to return, his putting's going to return to some sort of form um, this week versus where he was just a couple days ago. Yeah, and I can't, I don't have in front of me, like, all the stats and, and how I, I can't really draw a fair comparison between, you know, the old course and Liverpool, if there are even any, but I mean, it was a kind of a scoring fest, if I remember right, in the open last year. And if we think that, at least I think Liverpool can turn into a, you know, potential scoring fest, albeit a different course, like Scheffler struggled last year. I think he was 21st, like tied for 21st. Yeah. I'm going to tell you actually right now, um, I'm, I'm scrolling way down to find him. You're exactly right. 21st. Uh, he was plus uh, two in the final round, but they put him 11 shots, you know, behind Cam Smith, um, you know, and, and you got to remember Cam Young had a really good run last year yeah. uh, at the That's open right. as well. Um, who do you, if you're, if you're in a head to head matchup of who has the better finish, 
Hovland or Scheffler? Who do you go with? Victor. I really believe that. I really believe Victor is going to have a better finish. He played well last year. He finished, I think, five or six back. Here is my big thing. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about this as much today as I do when, when we get to Sunday and we recap this, because I do think it's going to be really, really evident. I think the Americans are in big trouble in the Ryder Cup. I think they're in big, big trouble. And I think we're hitting names here that really... I'm, yeah, I know you're laughing at me, Michael, but I think I mean, we're, we're, we're putting names out front here. You, you got some hot takes. takes. We're in trouble, man. I mean, Fleetwood, Hatton, Rory, Hovland. Now, these guys are playing really good golf, and I just don't know which American is is playing great golf. And we haven't talked about Rom, who's I feel like he's been on vacation for three months. Um, so I feel like we're going to have a bigger conversation about the Ryder Cup next week or when we when we see the top of this leaderboard covered in anything but red white and blue um i think it's gonna be really interesting to talk about the Ryder cup after this because i really don't feel like we're gonna have a, a big american presence at the top of the leaderboard this week and i think that's gonna be fun i think it's gonna be good for golf um as much as i'm not trying to be anti-american i love yeah i was gonna say i mean josh um, do you even support the troops like yeah come no, on man. i support the troops i support the troops <laughs> not good we could let's not alienate our, our <laughs> listeners we have i mean i just, we, I just want you i want our listeners know that, that the majority of our podcast does support the troops i just i'm not sure <laughs> is the entirety uh, <laughs> what about uh last last question for you guys and i feel guilty that we haven't talked about him because i was actually rooting for this guy last year and then i felt kind of empty after i pulled for him was cam i mean cam smith is the reigning champ like, what do we think about him coming in here and doing it again? Uh, I really like his odds. I, I, and Mike, you can speak more to this. I think you're in your little manifesto here. We're going to hear, I, I would be shocked if we hear his name, but I do think if someone's going to be the one who, who can beat Rory head to head as he did last year on Sunday, I think it's going to be Cam. I think he thinks this is a tournament he can win. I think he does not want to give up the Claret Jug. I think he does not like being out of the kind of the, the golfing conscious the way he has been the last few months. I think we're going to see a big Cam Smith week, very quietly coming in. Um, if it's not going to be Rory, I think it's going to be Cam Smith. I mean, right now he's Vegas has him as, you know, fourth best odds to win it. Who's the, so who's in front of him? Obviously other than Rory, what are the other two, John Rahm and, and Scotty? So Rory it, 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 right now, I'm looking at the live odds. Rory's, on DraftKings, if you're trying to find where these bets are, where I'm pulling lines, Rory's plus 650 to win. Scheffler's plus 700. Rom's plus 1300. Cam Smith plus 1800. Kepka 1800. And then you get a little bit of a drop to Hovland, Cantlay, both at 2200. So, so let's just as we go into your as kind of talking about putting some money on these these guys, which is always fun to do. You can't bet on those first three guys as much as you think Rory's going to win. Plus 650 is not. You can't you can't put money on those odds. It's just as bad. It's just well, I mean, it, bad listen, odds. You, you're going to win. It's not bad odds, right? It's plus six, well, six, and, a half to, six and a half to one. Man, there's a there's a 144 guys in this field. Like exactly, a, right? It's but how many yeah. can win it? I mean, 144. <laughs> but how many can actually win? It? Well, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. If can you, if I get Cam Smith at 18 to one versus a third, you know, of that take home for for Rory, I'm taking Cam Smith. I'm, I'm throwing money. I'm begging Cam Smith to take my money. Why don't you just go ahead and ask where Taylor Gooch's odds are, and we'll just get this over with. All right, Michael, where's Taylor Gooch's <laughs> odds? Scroll down. I'm going to write it down right now on my pad. Well, you know, Hayden, now you're picking on two people because I actually have Taylor Gooch as a top 20 finisher this week at mm, plus 240. Yes, sir. Right, but Josh right, has him winning it. <laughs> Josh has. Josh has. Okay, Josh likes his odds of winning it which are plus, I, I'm not even, Mike, I don't have the odds in front of me, but you said Scheffler is what, plus 1,300? Is that what he was? Or Scheffler plus well, 900? Let me, let me frame it this way. A good friend of the program, Wyndham Clark, is plus 6,500 with Taylor Gooch <laughs> hot on his heels at plus 7,000. So I want Taylor Gooch at plus 7,000 more than I want Scotty Scheffler at plus 900. <laughs> if I put $100 on Taylor Gooch at plus 7,000, you guys can do the math. That's seven thousand dollars. Whereas, if I put that money on Scotty Scheffler to go ahead and miss three footers for four solid hours when I I'm pulling my hair out, I'm going Taylor Gooch every single time because at least I know the I can take home something meaningful versus Scheffler is just 
it's wasted money. Yes, yeah, so I hope I hope he hears this podcast. You know, fourteen leg parlays, Josh. Because if it, yes, <laughs> if I hit, if they all hit, I win a lot more money. But they don't happen right. often. So let's go into it, Mike. Let's let's talk about your betting odds. What are you liking going into this tournament? And we're going to acknowledge. I want to acknowledge you did have some success on the U.S. Open pod. I feel like you got improperly harassed by me and the general public for a couple marginal recommendations and the speed recommendation, which was worse than marginal. But that said, you made good calls on not betting on Homa. Um, you made good calls on the amateurs. So I'm going to give you your kudos because it's hard to nail all of your picks. So um, you did not bat zero, but you also said you have refined your picks a little bit as we go into the open. So where am I going to put my money this time around where you feel like I'm, I have a pretty good chance of seeing a return? Let me just point out at one point, all of my picks look really good. They did. The Bryson pick looked really sexy for a long time. I was so excited about that one. Tough break, but we've already beat this horse to death, right? If you're going to take, if you're going to pick a winner, which Josh, I think you and I agree, Hayden, uh, not sure where you stand, but love to learn. Do you pick an outright winner? All right. If you're going that route, I think Rory has to be the guy, right? Hayden, as you alluded to, 144 guys in the field. I think realistically like 10 have a shot. So, you know, you got to look at it that way. You know, if you, again, want to pick a winner and you want to make a little more coin, I, I lean Hovland plus 2,200 to win. I think Josh, if you're going down the route you do where you want to have a little more, you know, risk reward and a little more fun watching how it plays out. I think Rick, Victor Hovland at 2,200 is a, is a fun bet to make where you can make a yeah. lot of money. Um, I, I agree with that. Totally. And I think that's a really good value bet if you're picking winners, which we do not, by the way, and I, I piggyback you, Mike, we don't encourage you to bet winners other than just for the sport of it, you know, because it's not ever, ever, ever a good bet unless you're like, you're, you're running a parlay together and you're, you're just going to hope you nail one of them because it's never a great bet, but yeah. it is kind of fun to have money on a guy to win just like you would on the horse, you know, to win, but it's not terribly realistic your best bets are going to come in your value areas your top 20s and your top 30s but so you like hovland at plus 2200 let me write that down here on my sheet hovland and i'm going to put a taste on him what else you got for me top 10 a name that came up earlier terrell hatton i, I think he's he struggles on thursdays of majors but he's playing well He's fun to watch. I think the guy's back on home turf in Europe. He played well at the Scottish Open. This guy's due to make some noise, and I think top 10 is a good place to find him to make that noise at plus 240. Plus 240, top 10, Terrell Hatton. Um, I like that pick a lot. I think that's a fun pick to root for as well. He's not boring. You know, he's a hot mic kind of guy. Yes, um, he is. And so he should get some screen time. And I think he's due to, to put something together. He's not going to win the tournament, but he was gonna, he's going to make noise. Love it. I think that's a really smart bet. I, and I love his form. You know, he did not, he, he played really, really great yesterday in Scotland, but didn't quite finish it well. I just feel like he's just knocking on the door. It, it's, it's, it's coming sooner or later with that guy. But he's got a little like uh, old John Rahm in him, right? Like, yeah like kind of loses it every now and then. And you can tell it's impacting his play, like hits a bad shot and stick with him for a hole or two afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that though. Like that. I love that. Like that's, that's the kind of TV I want to watch. I don't want some ho-hum. We went out there and tried the best we could today. Blah. Rory quotes and all that crap. Like give me. Right. On so you're, you're not fired up at watching Patrick Cantley play uh Royal Liverpool. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I mean, if, if like that dude is, can't get out of his own way lately. Like he is not on my board anywhere except, you know, maybe a threat to miss the cut. And I couldn't find out. Oh, 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 wow. Shorting Patrick Cantlay. I even love that. Not officially, unofficially, unofficially shorting Patrick Cantlay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, All right. I like the two you got. What else you got? Then we go to top 20. And (laughs) I've been chuckling this whole time, man, because these are my live specials. I got, I got Gooch and a top 20 at plus 240. Hmm. And say what you will. The kid's been playing well, albeit in live, but he's the wins leader at live. He's really not, no one's really close to him when he's winning. A lot of different courses, a lot of different atmosphere. I get it. But when a guy's playing well, he's still playing against some of the best players in the world and he's making it look easy. So he's got all the confidence in the world to come in here. He's not going to win the tournament, Josh. He's not going to come in top 10, but could he sneak in top 20? Yes. I think he's worth it at 240. 
Could he easily miss the cut hundred uh, percent, but I like where Gooch is playing. I want to reward him for the, 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 the success he's had. And I think a top 20 is a, is a acceptable risk for me with uh, Mr. Taylor without a Y Gooch. And so I am, we're not sponsored by any of our sports books. So we can talk about all of them that we want. Um, DraftKings has what 240. I'm looking at uh, FanDuel, my um, site of choice, plus 360 for top oh, 20 on FanDuel. Yeah. I mean, you have to make that bet. You have to. Yeah, I'm in. Plus 360. Yeah, these top 20s are like, they're, they're fun. They, and they get, you know, these are the guys that on Sunday, are like, oh, if only, right? Yep. Um, and totally then, agree. Let's stay in the live vein with my, you know, I have, you know, I have a winning pick. I have top 10. I got two top 20s for you. I think DJ very under the radar right now. And he's Mm -hmm. playing acceptable enough golf to compete. And it's just one of those things where no one talks about him. And then all of a sudden on Saturday, you're like, whoa, DJ's hanging around like 11 or 12. And then he's, you know, probably the fourth from the last group, sixth from the last group out on Sunday. And next thing you know, he's a leader in the clubhouse. Does he win it? No. But I think he could easily be at the top of the leaderboard when all is said and done. So top 20 may even be conservative for that. But at plus like 130, it. I'm not going to say it's the lock of the week, but I really like DJ um, you know, competing in the top 20 uh, at plus 130. Yeah, he is the uh, quintessential ho-hum top 20. Just like goes out there, plays his game, post top 20, no big deal. Like, like I feel like that is a uh, – I love that pick. And I would not be surprised to see him – toward the top of the leaderboard going to a Sunday either, you know, at it, he would not, you guys, would you guys be surprised if you saw him in the last group on Sunday this week? Uh, maybe last group, I'd be surprised, but I would last two groups, three groups. I wouldn't be surprised. Like who else? I, I'm serious. Like, look, another guy who played great in Scotland against Scotland's not the be all end all, but it's the closest we have to what we're looking at conditions for the open, like bien on, you know, he had to, finish top 10 just to qualify for the British Open. Now I'm looking at his odds and he's got odds to finish top 20. They're just as good as most of these other guys that we're talking about. Like, I just feel like it's pretty wide open other than the top couple guys. I would um, say this, Josh, if I'm looking at the, the field and I'm looking at, you know, handicapped on the odds, it's a lot easier to go through these players and say who's not going to win than who is going to win. Yeah. But it is a yeah. quick process of elimination. Like, does yeah. Kepka win this? No. Cantlay, no. Xander, no. Terrell Hatton, probably not. Ricky, definitely not. Tommy Fleetwood, doesn't know what winning feels like. Jordan Spieth, probably misses the cut. DJ, I mean, DJ's at plus 3,000 to win. And we've just named like eight players ahead of him that we can almost guarantee won't win. And I would say DJ's maybe in the conversation. Like Shane Lowry, probably not going to win. Justin Rose, Matt Fitzpatrick. I mean, is he still playing golf? Like, what is... Great question. The field gets real thin real quick. Yeah, that's that's my greater point about all this. I just feel like there's, if not right now, when? If not right now, who instead? You know, I just feel like it just smells just so much like a Rory week. All right, sorry, we got away from our our stated goal here, which is making our our listeners money. So we got, I think we got four really solid bets, Mike. So what what else we got? Got a few props for you. So I love props. Talk to me, Goose. A European winner at plus 120. Oh, love it. Love I it. An, I don't see an American winning it. Uh, I don't see someone from Asia winning it. I feel like this is a, a very safe bet that a European winner is. Uh, One quick question for you, Mike. Do you support the troops? Uh huh. <laughs> you, you were criticizing me, but now you're speaking my language. European well, I winners, free, no Americans. I get a winners. free pass, jackass, because I was a troop. I mean, he's just more of a NATO guy than just uh, (laughs) in general. Uh, Now, my question is, you know, does, you know, what about Australia? Because I think that is where you're really going to see something, a wrench thrown into that European. Adam Scott, Jason Day, Cam Smith. Let me show, let me look that up quick. Hold on, hold on. I mean, I think, um, and I I like, I love that bet on on a European player. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think I've enticed him to something. <laughs> oh, Hayden, you may have. <laughs> if, so the, the three bets that, that I'm looking at here is you've got a European winner, a USA winner, and then rest of the world winner, which is an awesome oh, yeah. way to like frame a bet. And a rest yeah. of the world winner is plus 400. Mm. 
I mean, I, I mean, like that, that a lot. Corey Connors, that's Corey inter- Connors, Corey Connors, Corey Connors, Cam Smith. I mean, yeah, there's Jason Dag back in the winner's circle in Texas already. Of course, he's he's you know, I think he peaked right there. Uh, he's Min his Wu back Lee, is already Australian his back is already hurting. You can't you can't take Jason Day across the Atlantic. His back is already hurt. True. Hayden, I'm gonna Tom sprinkle. Kim. Hayden, I'm gonna audible and sprinkle a little bit on that, <laughs> that rest of the world winner. Love it. I'm just, All right. I just want to say, don't forget about Australia. That's my that's my uh, that's my comment. I like it. I like the pivot right there. Any other props, Mr. Nealon, that I need to write down here? Uh, yeah, I know you're gonna love this one. Hole in one. Oh, here we go. You know, I learned a lesson from you, U.S. <laughs> Open. Oh, I yes. Think they lost, I think we lost – I lost that bet in the first day. The first two hours, Mike. You lost it in the first two hours. I think I was texting you two hours in saying yeah. at least the first hole one was two hours in. The second was one was pretty embarrassing. About- so, yeah. like, when I saw this bet, I was like, all right, time to make amends. And I'm going no hole in one again for plus 165. There will not be a hole in one at the open you're making amends like no you're not you, you, you literally are betting the don't pass line again and curses there will be you, no hole in there will be no hole in ones you know what i think there'll be a hole in one and i'm gonna gamble there's a hole in one on this cute little 17th hole that they have out there this little eye because i just feel like it's short not a lot of wind guys will be gunning for it not only is it going to be a hole in one, I'm going to put money on a hole in one on number 17 at some point. So that's how that's how much I dislike the betting as hole in one bet. I'm going to waste money, literally burn, set money on fire just to counter you. Well, if you can't find that action, I'll take it one on one with you, Josh. Okay. All right. Let me, I'll, I'll look it up. You and I can go offline and, and figure okay. this out. Okay. Fair enough. No hole in ones. Good Lord. Some men just want to watch the world burn. You had me for the first five and a half bets, though. Well, there you go. Uh, All right. uh... As as we kind of get towards the end of our time, I have one. I need help. And I love framing this last conversation this way, because I think this is a lot of fun. I'm a a part of a fantasy league. And part of this fantasy league, we, we bet on a bunch of different sports, NHL, NBA, you know, soccer. Um, but one component of this is the four golf major championships. So I'm going to very quickly tell you how this works. You have to pick five golfers per major. Once you use a player, you cannot use them again. So if I use, um, Victor Hovland for the masters, I'm done with Victor Hovland for the other majors. Does that make sense? So when I pick my five players for the majors, three of them can be top 25 players. I can pick three players inside the top 25, the official world golf ranking. And then I have to pick two outside the top 25, okay? So I'm not going to give you, uh, and especially people who are listening, I'm not going to give you the whole rundown on who I've picked, who I haven't picked, but I've held on to Rory. And I've held on to Cam Smith for the Open. So I have those two locked in. They're on my roster, Rory and Cam Smith. About three months ago, I kind of thought, okay, Colin Morikawa's won a British Open. I had him penciled into my third top 25 spot. I have since kind of pivoted away from Colin Morikawa. So let me ask you guys, here are my thoughts for my third top 25 player. I have Cam, I have Rory. Tell me of these players, who should my third top 25 guy be for this open championship? Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Tom Kim, or should I go with my original thought of Colin Morikawa? What, what saith you, soothsayers? So are you getting points for each place these guys finish? No, it's just it's total aggregate score. So so combine you actually of the five golfers you choose, you take the four lowest scores. You drop the worst score. They don't make the cut. You get the cut score. What do you think, Aiden? I think that I I still don't necessarily buy into Morikawa. I would lean towards the Englishman. I think just if you're if you're trying to get someone to make the cut, right? Of a like, I, it's harder for me to imagine Fleetwood not being in the top fifteen at the end of the week. Yeah. Right, right, and making the cut's that's, a big deal, right? I'd love to offer a, a an opinion for the the audience that's going to create some sort of controversy, but I agree. It's even if I look at Hatton, who I love as the top ten guy this week, I think his 
his ceiling is super high, but his floor is 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 low. Like he could you know, it could go <laughs> south quick with him. So I think Fleetwood's kind of your steady guy. Uh, that's who I would go with. So Fleetwood over Hatton and Kim and Morikawa. So I think that's those are the four who I, you know, I feel I've already taken Hovland and Rom and and Cantley and and all these other guys. It feels like those are the four and Fleetwood kind of, I agree. Cause he played really well last week. He's had a really good season. He had a chance to win uh, again. Um, I think it was Detroit as well. He's been playing pretty well. Um, it feels like I'm trending towards him as an Englishman. Oh, is in England, you know, uh, not that Hatton isn't, but it does feel like there's, there's some trending things for Tommy, even if it's not to win. So, okay. I like that. So now I got my three, I got Rory, Tommy and Cam, my three top 25 guys. Now I have to have three or two guys outside of the top 25. Here are the ones I have marked. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Taylor Gooch, Josh, you're, you're a coward. You're not. You can oh, sit wow. here and talk about Gooch like you have been and then not take him. Okay. Well, I, I, I want to qualify that. Let's see where, where Taylor Gooch is in our, our world golf rankings. I don't think he's even. Josh, he qualifies for being outside the top 25. You're, you're okay there. Okay, so let me give you my options here for outside the top 25. Brian Harmon, Eric Cole, who's been playing really well, laugh if you will, uh, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, Corey Connors, or Taylor Gooch? Well, immediate, immediately, I think of Shane Lowry or Shane. I, I jumped to Shane Lowry, but that's just off first listen. Yeah, that's and he's like 26 in the world. So it's like you're almost kind of cheating getting him a little bit. Uh, he's 20, 29th right now. Corey Connors, 30th. I just never really trust Corey Connors. I, I just, he had a good finish last week, but it's basically on one good nine. Um, well, he's a, he's so, a striker, right? And if there's wind, that uh, kind of throws everything for a, a loop. So if we think about those five guys, do you give Brian Harmon any chance of having a, a good week at the Open Championship? He's, he's always around, man. The guy is always around. Lefty, can move the ball on the ground pretty well, puts the lights out of it, can't win, you know, at all. But is always so close. He's so close to the ground that he can definitely move the ball <laughs> well, you know, sure. on the ground. I mean, he's 26 in the world. You're kind of getting value with him, although, you know. Do you believe in the world of golf be. rankings? Josh, I do don't. In fact, I are... think I, I am of the camp that feels like they have to go. Um, <laughs> as much as I dislike live, I feel like to dis completely discredit the live players in the world rankings is a little bit weird to me. I, I prefer the, uh, the data golf method of ranking them based on their strength of, of field and the live events, but that's for Josh. Discussion. What about like a, do you put any stock in like a Robert McIntyre? So I, you know, I didn't until yesterday afternoon. But I also like it's a guy who had one really, really awesome nine holes, Eagle on 10, Birdie on 18, like, but he played really good in the wind. He's, he's been there before. He's won a few times in Europe. It's not unreasonable to think. And he really wants to make the Ryder Cup, you know, man, how are you gonna make an impression on Luke Donald? Play well at the open, you know? So I, I think Robert McIntyre is a dark horse for one of those spots. But you guys have now challenged me. Shane Lowry's got to be like a, a lock for one of the two. Okay. I like that. I will make him a lock. And, and Hayden, you agree with that, don't you? Oh, yeah. That's my guy. Okay. All right. Shane Lowry, lock for one of the two. So now I got uh, Harmon, Cole. You guys aren't even going to give me the Eric Cole conversation, so I'm going to cross him out. Um, Justin Rose, no? Winner at Pebble Beach? Yes. The Pebble Beach Golf links. links. That is so uninspiring. Oh, gosh. Jay Rose. Okay. So I have to take Taylor Gooch now. You've really forced me into a corner that I have you to take have, Taylor Gooch. You, you, have, have, you have forced yourself into this corner. <laughs> okay. All right. And you need to let That's us fair. know the reaction of all your buddies when they see that you actually went with Taylor Gooch. They're going to vomit. It's going to be a vomitorium. <laughs> but They're going to say, is this, a, is this a typo? Did you mean Taylor Moore? Did, did you mean... <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I am going all in on Taylor Gooch. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to bet him top 20 as my friend Michael told me to do. I'm going to bet him a, a taste to win just so I can feel like I'm going to own it if he does win. Uh, and then I'm going to put him on my British open team. So it's going to be Rory, Tommy Fleetwood, Cam Smith, Shane Lowry, and Taylor Gooch for my British open team. I love it. Tell and me you don't love it. 
Can't miss. Can't miss. How could I not lock it in? Lock it in. On that note, uh, I'm not sure if we accomplished anything in this last hour, um, but I do think uh, you, hopefully we all know a little bit more about the golf course, the challenges you guys will face. Um, and really what it all comes down to is on Sunday, are we going to be talking about Rory or some other storyline that probably wasn't even on our radar, like a John Rahm win out of nowhere or something like that. So that said, guys, I appreciate uh, the time as always. We're going to reconvene for our um our review pod, a uh, recap pod on Sunday night, and uh, start thinking a little bit about the Ryder Cup at that time as well. Any last parting thoughts, parting shots at me on the way out the door? My my, uh, my last thought is just I wish that we would get something like 2016 with a Henrik Phil matchup on Sunday, just a epic battle. I hope that we get Cam and uh, Rory going at it, or Rom and Rory, or something like that, where it's just a you know, punches are being thrown and leads are bouncing back and forth. And the open is a stage for that. And I think that uh, I hope we get it. That was one of the most fun afternoons of golf I can remember watching in my life. Absolutely right. Michael? I just want the storyline to be about the golf being played, not the course, not how the course could be with weather, not these gimmick holes. I just want it to be there is fantastic golf being played whether it's high scoring low scoring i don't care i just want the leaderboard to be crowded and i want there to be an abundance of of opportunity and, and potential endings as we go into sunday i totally agree and i think i, I think if I, again you could bet on that i think you'd uh you get pretty good odds i think it's gonna be a really great tournament that said we'll be back with you sunday night to uh recap and and see how close we came uh to the core on these uh these predictions Beyond that, uh, appreciate you joining us. This has been the Open Preview Pod on the E9 Podcast, a production of Free Drop Media. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.